Hello and welcome to MMA Fight Club. Yours truly, Manny G. We are going into week number four here for Dana White's Contender Series. We're going to give you a full card breakdown and a preview for all five fights. Before we do that, though, let's give a summary of what happened last week. So week number three of Contender Series. And again, there's going to be total of eight weeks, right? So we're not even halfway there, but we're kind of chugging along. For week number three, the results were this. We had four total fights. We lost one, which is always tough because you only have five fights in a card, right? We did lose one, four fights. The last fight, Zachary Reese with an amazing submission arm, arm bar finish in round number one. That was exciting. The co-main event was Oban Elliott with a decision win over Kaik Brito. He gets a contract for that. So did Zachary Reese, of course, with the finish. Contract for Oban Elliott, but man, it was a, a rough fight. Uh, Josephine Nutson, a lot of online talk about why she didn't get a contract and she probably gets a call up at some point later on she does win by decision pretty dominant win i think 30 27 on all three score cards but dana was not impressed and so josephine nutsey gets a win by decision over isis Beerbeck. and then the first on the card luis paello the only fight that we had predicted incorrect he gets an impressive first round knockout over robbie ring and robbie ring he tried to wrestle we thought he could wrestle uh, he could not wrestle, ends up getting himself torn apart there. Luis Paello left him bloodied and and uh, just bewildered and got the finish. So again, the winners were Paello. He got a contract, deserved it. Nuts it, winner but no contract. Oban Elliott gets a decision win, gets a contract, and then Reese gets a contract as well. So four winners, one contract. All right, guys, without further ado, let's talk about week number four for Contender Series coming up this Tuesday, the 29th of August with an 8 p.m. Eastern start time. Five total bouts being held in the cage, the Apex Arena, I'm sorry, uh, over there in Las Vegas. So like little humble, small little confines, small amount of fans, kind of like the fight night events when they have them in Las Vegas. All right, guys, so let's talk about this card here. One fight at a time. We'll start with the bottom fight, the first fight in the card, and then work our way all the way up to the top, giving you guys some tidbits and these fighters and some background information, hopefully giving you the advice you need to get some winning wagers, right? All right, so first by the card is going to be Carlos Pratas versus Mitch Ramirez. And Carlos Pratas hails from Brazil, Mr. Ramirez, who has a Spanish last name, probably Mexican-American, or it could be a Hispanic, Latino-American, Puerto Rican, Dominican. It could be a whole wide range of things. But Mitch Ramirez is from Utah. He's an American citizen up against Carlos Pratas. And Mr. Pratas is experienced here, a lot more experienced than most contender series fighters at 16 and 6 overall. That's 22 fights, pro fights, a lot of experience compared to most of these guys on the show. 7-0 and zero for Mitch Rodriguez, a welterweight, about 170 pounders. Before I get any further into the details, I'll tell you, I do like Mitch Ramirez to win this, win this fight by round one submission. That is my prediction. Let me get back to the details here. So for Carlos Prada, 16-6 and six overall, 5-0 in his last five. He's from Sao Paulo, Brazil, 30 years old, which is not too old for the show, but that's like kind of like, you know, to, towards the older end. But you know what? Mitch Rodriguez, also 30 years old. So these guys are both the same age. For Protest, 6'1 in height with a 78 and a half inch reach out of Val Top Team. For Ramirez, who goes by the fight Stalker, he's undefeated at 7 and 0. You do like that. From Utah, 30 years old, as we said before. 6'2 compared to 6'1 for Protest. You know, watching them fight prior fights, I, I have a hard time believing Protest is the shorter fighter. I think he should be taller. Uh, nonetheless, they should be in the same range. I mean, tapology, nothing against them. They just get the numbers whenever they get them. So they may not be perfectly on point there. But I do think Protest may be the taller fighter when it comes down to them squaring up. All right. So Mitch Rodriguez, Mitch, I'm sorry, Mitch Rodriguez, Mitch Ramirez by round one submission is the prediction for Protest, a kickboxer with knockout power. Usually the taller fighter in his matches, but won't be the taller fighter for this fight, as we mentioned before. 
Quick hands and a heavy jab. Now, Pranas is 9-1 in his last 10 fights, currently on a very long winning streak. He's a guy who's obviously winning a lot of fights. Winning is a habit. He's earned KO finishes in his last five wins, so he's got finishing power. In four of his last five four of his last five that he won, it was a round one knockout, so not wasting any time. Now, prior to this opportunity, he fought in LFA and won championships, both very good promotions. He can get into trouble when he lets people push him against the fence. He's a long fighter. A matter of fact, he's got like something about him that reminds me of Alex Pereira. Not the size, obviously, welterweight, but the, the tall stance, the intimidating, heavy-footed stance. But the problem is, again, when he gets guys who can grapple him and get under his chin, push him against the fence, that becomes a problem. The second thing is, too, like Pereira, he kind of holds his hands low. And so his chin's up high. He can be hit. Uh, but I'm, being, I'm splitting hairs here. Carlos Pratas is a very good fighter. He looked good on film. As for Mr. Mitch Ramirez, the American fighter, he operates at a high pace, likes to force his opposition to work off their back foot. I mean, just tons of volume. The forward pressure and high volume reminds me a little bit of uh, golf, right? The guy golf who just fought last weekend or this past weekend here in um, at UFC Singapore or, or someone like Sean Strickland where they just throw a lot of volume. It's not all meant to hurt you. It starts to add up. Next thing you know, you're catching too many punches. Next thing you know, you're bleeding. So that's his fighting style. Now, going back to Ramirez's amateur days, he's on a 12-fight winning streak. So seven, which is a pro, but also five as an amateur, undefeated on both careers. So this guy's winning a lot of fights. And again, winning is a habit. I want to say it again. In his pro career, he's got six of his seven pro wins are by finish, two by submission, and four by TKO. He has two knockouts in his last. He has two knockouts in his la, in, in his last uh, in less than a minute. I'm sorry, I couldn't say it. He has two knockouts in less than a minute. So again, wasting no time. As with all new prospects, the hardest variable for him is the quality of competition. We can't answer the question. We can look at the prior fighters. We can look at their records. We can analyze. It's just hard to figure it out. So. That's a variable with almost every fighter on contender series, right? We just don't know the quality of competition. So he looks good on paper, right? Finishing people left and right, early knockouts, but will it transfer to contender series? I, I don't know. Now, betting targets here. The fight ends by knockout, either side. Ramirez into the distance, and then the fight does not go the full distance. So the betting spots here for this fight. And we move on. Next up in the card to be a middleweight bout. 185 pounders, Yusari Belgari, who goes by the baby face assassin from the Netherlands, up against Marco Tulio Silva, 91 fighter from Brazil. Before we get to the breakdown, I'll tell you right now that I do like your sorry Belgari by second round knockout. That is my prediction. Again, a middleweight bout, 185 pounders. These guys are pretty big, pretty tall. In the case of Belgari, very long fighter. We'll talk more about that in a second. So Belgari, the babyface assassins, five and two overall, three to his last five. Hails now from Connecticut, 31 years old, six foot five in height, five inches in height advantage for Marco for uh, Belgari over Marco Tulio Silva, which Height's one thing. It's more of the reach could be a problem, but again, he will be the taller fighter. And then for Yusari Belgari, we mentioned from Connecticut. Why? Because he's training out of Teixeira MMA and fitness with the likes of Glover Teixeira, Alex Pereira, and that name will come back up again. All right. As for Marco Tulio Silva, RoboCop. <laughs> Can we please stop recycling the RoboCop name? Good gracious. I, I mean, that movie was like in the 80s. <sighs> anyway, Marco, Tull well, they did a remake. But anyway, Marco Tulio Silva, who goes by RoboCop, is 9-1 overall, 5-0 his last five, from Sao Paulo, Brazil, about to turn 29. So both guys are around 30 years old. Uh, age is not a factor. He's six foot. It's a good height for the division, but he's five inches shorter than his opponent in this matchup. And for Silva, out of shoot, box, box, Diego Lima, very good gym down in Brazil. 
As for our notes here, we do like Belgari by second-round knockout. That is our prediction for Belgari. He's a rangy kickboxer that'll have a five-inch height advantage. He makes a commitment to attacking the body and the legs. Now, while the fight's standing, he should have an advantage. Now, though on paper at first glance, you're like, oh, Belgari only has a few fights, right? Well, look a little bit further. He actually has a whole kickboxing career before he moved over to mixed martial arts. He fought multiple times against guys like, you may have heard of him, Israel Asanya, some I don't know, some random guy, Alex Pereira, you fought him twice too. Anyway, if you recall, on week one of the series this year, Dana gave a contract to a gentleman named Almeida. Almeida is 35 damn years old, maybe the oldest of any person who ever got signed from this show. He's a former kickboxer who also had happened to fought Alex Pereira. So here we go. UFC keeping their eye on the prize. Let's find another guy, another prospect who crossed paths with Adesanya, Pereira. Who knows what happens? Build them up. And so, look, even though Almeida won by decision in week number one, and he's 35, right? Didn't stop Dana from giving him a contract because Dana doesn't care about whatever. He doesn't care about fairness. He cares about money, marketing. These guys who fought Adesanya or Pereira in the past, they could take those old clips, market that stuff, and try to sell these, these fights for prelim fights in the future. So you kind of get the drift there. As for Marco Tulio Silva, the Brazilian, he's more well-rounded of a fighter. He does have a submission on his resume, and most of his wins are by finish. He's been able to finish the regional competition. Makes sense. Just not so sure if his power will actually translate over, because again, against regional competition, it's okay. Now, to his credit, though, most of his wins are against experienced guys. So when you look at his his opponents, it's guys with like 30 fights, 20 fights, with winning records. And so from that standpoint, I do give him credit. He's not fighting complete cans. For Silva, he'd be wise to mix in some grappling, get this fight to the ground. He's facing a guy who's a former kickboxer, right? Whose foundation is in kickboxing, who stands pretty tall. You know, so for me, if this fight turns into a kickboxing match, that fully favors Belgari and will not favor Silva. So up to who can get their game plan initiated, unless Silva's going out there thinking, I can stand with him. Not a good idea. Under two and a half rounds, fight does not go the full distance. Fight ends by knockout, and Belgari as a party piece are the spot to like for this fight. And we move on. Next up, a featherweight bout, 145 pounders, Timothy Kwamba versus Matteo Vogel. Mr. Vogel Hills from Canada, and Kwamba is an American fighter. Before we get to the details, we'll tell you right now that we do like Matteo Vogel by round two submission. That is our prediction. Into the details here for Timothy Kwamba goes by Twilight Timmy. Okay, Timothy Twilight Timmy Kwamba. That kind of just rolls with the tongue there. He's six and one overall from Las Vegas, five foot eight. Not much information for him on tapology, but we did look up his age. He's 24 years old, very young, youngest fighter on this uh, fight card uh, for Tuesday night. For Mateo Vogel, who goes by Corapato, Corapato? I'm not even sure how to pronounce that. Corapato? Probably some kind of a Spanish uh, or I don't know where it's from. <laughs> anyway, Mateo Vogel, eight and two overall, four one his last five. Hails from Ottawa, Ontario, twenty seven years old, five foot eight, seventy one inch reach, and he's from New Era Combat Sports. Okay, as for our details, we get into it now. Mateo Vogel by round two submission is the prediction. Kwame does a good job of continuously moving his feet. He's moving out of range, in range, circling. He's never a stationary target. Now, based on his prior performances, we're going to assume he's got a wrestling base or a background in some kind of wrestling. He enjoys being up close and personal. He initiates grappling, looks for takedowns, gets back control. He's busy on the mat. I do like that. And his cardio is pretty damn good. He stays active, manages his cardio very, very well. Matter of fact, Young fighters tend to have a problem managing their cardio, not with him. He does a very good job of staying calm. He's consistent in all three rounds. He has the energy, energy to go full three rounds. I do like that about him. Now, striking power is the one question mark for him. I don't know 
if his power is there and it's going to translate. It's, he has some finishes again against lower level opponents. How will that translate in his other fights? I'm not so sure. For Mateo Vogel, exciting Canadian prospect with fights, and he also fights similar to Kuambo. Both guys are actually like to grapple, like to wrestle, mix in a, you know, a balanced fighting style. The difference though with these two guys is the higher finish right here for Mateo Vogel. He's much more lethal in the jiu-jitsu area. Five of Vogel's eight wins are by submission. In comparison, Kuambo, who likes to grapple, has no submissions yet as a professional. Now, for Vogel, he appears to have also a speed advantage. So even on the feet, if they're striking, I think he's got quicker hands. I'm thinking based upon film again. I, I can't be sure until we watch the fight and see it. But again, based upon the prior fights, he seems to be faster. Now, they've both been KO'd before, so a knockout is not out of the possibility for either guy. Again, based on their fighting styles, it's likely this fight hits the mat at some point. They both like to grapple, right? So we're going to see some grappling. At some point, we get the answer to the question, who's the better grappler? A ground and pound or submission finish is kind of how I see this fight ending. The betting targets here, under two and a half rounds. Fight does not go the distance and Vogel into the distance. Those are your betting spots we'll be looking at here for this fight. And we move on. Next up, we're up to the heavyweights now. Big boys, 265 pounders, Chandler Cole, the American from Virginia, versus Thomas Peterson, another American from Minnesota. Before we get to the breakdown, we'll tell you that we do like Thomas Peterson by round one knockout. That is our prediction. Okay, back to the details here for Mr. Cole. Goes with the hammer, 10 and 3 overall, four in his last five. So on a good streak recently, 28 years old. Five foot ten in height, though, with a 75-inch reach. We're going to talk more about that in a second. He's out of Wise County Combat Club and Team Oxidon MMA. As for Thomas Peterson, who goes with a train, 7-1 overall, 4-1 his last five from Farmington, Minnesota, 28 years old. So you guys are both 28. Good young age prospects for heavyweight division. Of course, UFC just needs more prospects in the heavyweight division. So these guys are, are vying for an active spot that's available, right? And as for Thomas Peterson, he's, he's out of Spartan MMA. Okay, details here, more details. Cole, he's a shorter heavyweight, right? 5'10". He's got PFL experience and also was on the Ultimate Fighter last season. He fought one fight, unfortunately, lost the fight to Jordan Heiderman. Cole's got a very thick physique. I mean, that's a nice way of saying he probably could lose a few pounds. I mean, the guy at 5'10, I'm not trying to body shame him. I'm not, I'm, I got a few extra pounds myself, but he literally could probably go down two weight classes, you know? And if he did that, man, he'd have some power too. I don't know. He just seems to be very overweight and his cardio, oh or lack thereof, it's a major issue. This guy has not been out of, this, out of the first round in what, one, I mean, one time in like 15 pro fights, and it's been years. Last time he came to the first round was like 2017. So here's a guy with poor cardio, starts strong. Like for him, the key to victory is get a takedown, rain down some strikes, overwhelm the opponent, beat him up early. We get to the number four minute mark there, four minutes and 30 seconds of round number one. He's already starting to gas. The longer this fight goes, Peterson's gonna be able to just finish him easily. And again, 15 pro, pro fights here for Cole. Only been to the second round one time. All seven, though, of Peterson's pro wins are by knockout. Six of those knockouts occurred in the first round. Now, he went 5-0 as an amateur before going pro 2019. So his only hiccup so far in his career between amateur and pro was a loss to Waldo Cortez Acosta last year in LFA. And, of course, Acosta, who looked very good last this past weekend in UFC Singapore, legit heavyweight, you know, so not the worst loss. Almost all of Peterson's fights have been in LFA as well. LFA, a very quality promotion. So he's been well-prepared. LFA does produce a lot of fighters who do move on to Bellator, UFC, higher-level promotion. So I'll tell you what. We're going to go with Peterson because Cole has a limited window of opportunity. So if you like Cole, take him round one finish, round one knockout, not even round one finish, not round one, not submission, round one knockout for Cole. That's his path to victory. 
Otherwise, I don't see how he gets it done in round two or three. I think Peterson will have the entire fight at his hands after that first wave of attacks from Cole. I think Peterson gets to him. By the way, UFC's had guys like Cole. They've had – look at Parker Porter. Parker Porter is a, a short heavyweight that should be fighting probably at light heavyweight and has no chin, getting rocked, and may have fought his last fight at the UFC, actually. He, he got knocked around there in, in Singapore. didn't look good. Or guys like Carlos Felipe, who are no longer in the UFC, but shorter, overweight heavyweights because they need him so badly – I just think of a guy like uh, like Cole here. They're serving him up to Peterson, and really they're setting Peterson up for a win here. And if Peterson can't get a finish here, then he's not going to get a contract either. If this fight somehow goes the full distance, oh my head, oh my head. But give me Peterson here to get a knockout at some point, probably late round number one. And if somehow we get to round number two, then yeah, into round number two. He's the more natural heavyweight, at the more upside. And uh, with, again, with with Cole, he needs to lose weight. He needs to lose weight. So betting targets here under one point five rounds. Peterson. ITD, which means it's at the distance, and then Cole by round one knockout as a possible, you know, long range prop. Going to probably have some crazy odds there, but uh, round one or bust is, is Cole's MO. Let's move on. And the last one, the card's going to be Dylan Salvador against Bellagio Oki. I think I'm saying Bellagio's first name correctly, but I feel like I'm saying Bellagio or, yeah, Biagio, the guy from uh, PFL. Anyway, uh, Bellagio Oki from Belgium. Up against the French fighter, Dylan Salvador. It's the last fight in the card. I don't want to say main event because I mean, there's five fights. There's really no main event. But uh, it's a lightweight bout, 155 pounders. These guys are the, like, that's that range of, like, the small guys, like 135, 125. And you got these guys in the middle who have power, who have size, and cut a lot of weight, right? So before I get to the breakdown here, I'll tell you that we do like Bolaji Oki by round two knockout. That's our prediction. Not with much confidence. This fight is the one we had the hardest time in the card fighting a lean because both guys have good ability and did not separate themselves on film enough, especially like Bellagioki. We're choosing him to win, but it's like, it, you know, he doesn't do anything on film where it's like, oh, he's amazing. He's got some power in his hands and he's inexperienced. He's got some ability, um, but both guys have a path to victory. We'll talk about that here in a second. Let's get to the details on Tapology. So for Mr. Dylan Salvador, five and one overall, four in his last five. He hails from France, now based out of Atlanta. 30 years old, 5'9 height. As for Balaji Oki, the Zulu warrior. That makes sense. I mean, he's based out of Belgium, but profile picture, very dark skin, uh, probably has maybe some African roots, right? The Zulu warrior makes sense. Uh, again, so from Belgium, 27 years old, 5'10, about the same height. And for Jims, he's out of Da Vinci. And for Dylan Salvador, out of Nessar K. Okay, as for our notes here. Salvador is a French kickboxer in the process of transitioning to mixed martial arts. He prefers to work at range where he can operate behind leg kicks and jabs. He's not bad on the ground, though, for a fighter with kickboxing base. Matter of fact, four of his last five wins were by submission. Let me say it again. A guy with kickboxing in his background, four of his last five wins by submission. That's impressive. Now, one of the biggest concerns we have with Salvador is his lack of urgency. Now, maybe we watched the wrong fights of him, but he often waits for the perfect punch instead of throwing combinations. And like in a prolonged fight, if it goes to two half rounds, three rounds, he's going to be getting behind on the scorecard. So I just would like to see him have a little more volume and just up the urgency. Now, maybe this setting here, right, the contender series and needing to get a contract, whatever else, maybe he'll up the sense of urgency. But it's an issue for me in the past fights. Now, as for Balaji Oki, he's looking for his eighth win in a row. But mind you, this guy lost his first pro fight in 2018. And then after that, ripped off eight straight, hasn't lost since. You do like that. Now you start how you finish, right? Okay, has the power to finish fights, and his grappling is serviceable. That's a nice way of saying his grappling is okay, defense is okay, but he's not the better grappler here. 
he would be wise to get this damn thing on the feet because on the ground, he has to deal with the issues of Salvador trying to submit him and defending that, maybe getting tired in the process. So, you know, based upon watching film here, Oki may have a harder, harder punch. That maybe has an advantage there. So keep the, the feet, I think that's going to be where he's going to be operating better at. And again, volume. That's going to be an issue for both guys. Oki's not the highest volume guy. He does come forward maybe a little more in Salvador. But again, volume is an issue for both guys. They need to pick it up. And if this fight goes to the scorecards, you need more punches, right? This fight will come down to who can implement their game plan. We're ever so slightly going on the side of Oki due to the striking power, but it's a coin flip, guys. And if you're on the other side of here, Dylan Salvador, he's got submission ability. He's more balanced. I get it. He's also inexperienced. They're both inexperienced. A lot of variables here, but the spots we like from a betting perspective are going to be the fight does not go the distance, Salvador by submission, or Oki by knockout. That's a, that's a prop available on DraftKings. So Salvador by submission or Oki by knockout. That'll be lined as one prop when it comes out on DraftKings. And the last prop there is the fight does not go the full distance. So that's your breakdown of the five fights here for week number four of Contender Series. I'll give you a summary here in just a moment and also give you guys a few announcements before I let you go. Here are your swift picks, week number four of Game Boy Contender Series. In the first fight, like Mitch Ramirez by round one submission. Yasari Belgari by second round knockout. Mateo Vogel by round two submission. Thomas Peterson by round one knockout. And in the last fight, we're like Bellagi Oki by round two knockout. Those are your swift picks for week number four of Dana White Contender Series. Before I let you go, some reminders. Please do me the favor of hit that like button, slam the subscribe button, put your notifications on. And we got some things to also turn you guys on to. We have a tapology group where we get a new winner every single week. The link for the tapology group is down below in our description. It's free to join it. There's a winner every single week. The winner does get a prize, cash prize, or an item sent to them. So please look into that. Our Tapology group ID is number 1269. Second thing is, please look at our newsletter. There's a free version and a paid version. Consider subscribe to that newsletter. There's content in there, breakdowns. We have guest writers, tip sheets, the whole nine. It's all run through Substack. We don't spam you, non-intrusive, free to subscribe. All you need is an email, so please do that. And then find us on social media. Look at us up on Instagram, on Twitter, on TikTok, wherever you have us at, find us, please. Um, and one last thing, we are available wherever you listen to your podcast. Just search up MMA Fight Club, look for our yellow and black logo, and you will see us there. And most of our shows, not all of them, but most of our content you hear on our YouTube channel is also available wherever you listen to your podcast. All right, boys and girls, thank you again so much for joining us. You're Shuli Manny G with you here for another breakdown of Contender Series. Best of luck this week if you're playing some bets on Contender Series. And if not, just watching, enjoy the show. See you guys soon. Deuces.